0: I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling.
1: And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start.
0: And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time.
1: This week... It's the end of an era here on the episode of NXT that originally aired on February 19th, 2014. This is the go-home show for NXT Arrival, and in a whole lot of ways, after this episode, things will never be the same. Wow. to episode 40 of The Next Wrestling Fan.
0: I know, we're in our 40s now. Oh the my podcast God. has got some experience under its belt. It knows what it wants. It's not afraid to go after it.
1: This is a podcast of Fights and Feels, as you know. Last episode was all talk, no action. Well, some action, but mostly talk. This episode is like, some talk, mostly commercials? Arrival... <laughs> yes. Seems to have screwed up the taping schedule just a little bit. So there's a decent amount of filler going on here. But there's also two really fun matches and a bunch of other stuff to talk about. And we will do that in Bob's breakdown. We also have to ring the bell for our oldest friend here in NXT. Oh, my goodness. Followed by the sights, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. Women's wrestling history of the week is back for its next installment. And another patented Megan Bob fanfic is coming your way as well. Before we fill the last few minutes of the show up to the brim with a very special edition of the Cheap Pop Quiz. But before any of that, let's check in with last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. Bob is currently sitting at three points here in the fifth round of quizzing. Did they pick up more? It is (sighs) time to find out.
0: Maybe one? I don't remember.
1: Question number one. According to Tyler Breeze on the next episode, what is the F word, particularly when used in regard to his upcoming opponent? Is it A face, B fair, C fine, D fashionable, or E fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I threw that fuck out there like a little uh, little piece of bait with a worm at the end. Bob did not take it. Weirdly, no. Yeah, I was surprised. You went with A, face, and you were correct. Yeah. Impressive. Thank you. Question number two. Next episode is the go home show for NXT Arrival, which currently feuding pair of wrestlers join Renee Young backstage on the next episode in a moderated sit down meant to squeeze just a little bit more feud in at the last minute. Is it A, Bo Dallas and Adrian Neville? B, Paige and Emma? C, Sami Zayn and Cesaro, D, Rusev and Xavier Woods, or E, The Ascension and a random jobber tag team.
0: <laughs> I wish it had been that.
1: That was like one of my favorite like answers to a question I've come up with. I really oh. enjoyed that one. Uh, Bob, you went with B, Paige and Emma on the assumption that maybe they could use a little bit more time to build up their feud. You're right about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But the correct answer was C, Sami Zayn and Cesaro.
0: That's so obvious in retrospect. Why would it ever be anything else? (laughs) (laughs) And
1: question number three. NXT Arrival, as I've talked about in my intro to this episode, is a huge inflection point in the history of NXT, and it really put the show through some scheduling changes. NXT started airing on the WWE Network. Its weekly time slot, as a result, was switched from Wednesdays to Thursdays. It's the first time they've ever done anything live, so they had to plan around that, which is why the next episode has so many video packages and commercials, NXT is navigating some shit right now, and when you're navigating some shit, it's easy for one or two little things to fall through the cracks. On the next episode, which wrestler promises that they will be cutting a promo quote, next week, that as far as I can tell, never actually takes place, because next week is NXT Arrival? A. CJ Parker B. Emma C. Aiden English D. Summer Rae, or E. Corey Graves Bob, you up with E, Corey Graves, and that is incorrect, as you now know. The correct answer is B, Emma, who promises to have words in person for Paige next week. But, uh, whoa, gee whiz, fans, we're out of time.
0: Yeah, it was cute, though. I was glad it was Emma.
1: If anybody can prove me wrong about this and knows when and where that promo takes place... I welcome the correction, but yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as I can tell, there is an episode of NXT that like airs on Hulu the night before arrival, but it's just like a clip show. It's basically like the uh, the Christmas episode yeah. without the William Regal Cesaro match. I couldn't find that anywhere. Pretty sure it never happened. But you know what did happen, Bob? What this episode that we're covering? Yeah. And the proof of that is now upon us in the form of Bob's Breakdown.
0: Match one. We start off straight into the action. The Ascension! And Connor is still rocking the chainmail shirt, which I love. Yep. The crowd is going... Fucking bananas. They're screaming and cheering. There's a vigorous yaw chant going oh, on. Oh man,
1: your ears are hit from the first moment of this episode with the ya chant. It's I beautiful. loved it.
0: Two jobbers appear. They're both in little short shorts. I'm not gonna <laughs> cover any real details of the match itself. I mean, just enough to say Victor is in the ring, he roughs up the guy in green shorts, the crowd is really excited, but I think there's a chant of we want ya.
1: There it is. You're correct. Yes. OK,
0: and then that's whenever Victor tags in Connor, who I guess they're now just calling. Yeah, um, well,
1: <laughs> I mean, because I th- he's the one who does the yeah stuff. originally, yeah. right?
0: the audience pops. I pop every it's just popping from from wall to wall. They do the fall of man. Victor pins green shorts and the audience counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Miles, whatever the hell is going on is the thing I am a mark for. It is the thing. So This is why
1: I told you back in episode 14 that there were still new heights to be had in your Ascension fandom, Bob. This is the reason.
0: God. When I watched this for the first time, I texted you going, Yes. What is happening? Is the (laughs) audience into this ironically or unironically or both or neither? I think both. Yeah. And I texted you also to say... That this was exactly the kind of thing I could never have understood before embarking on this show. I would have been clueless as to the nature of the audience's relationship with what's going on and thought, what are these weirdos excited about? This is nothing. Wrestling is stupid. (laughs)
1: This is, yes, this is exactly like the kind of thing that this show was created to help you out with, Is and like you and everybody else.
0: Because what would you do if you just jumped into this episode? What are they doing? It made me have these like flashbacks to brief instances of walking through a room whenever somebody would be flipping channels and it would be WWE for two seconds and going, what is happening Why does anyone care? I don't get it. And then now it's like, you know, the movie Zoom, where it's like, you can see like zooming out of the past into the present, me sitting on the couch going, oh,
1: Just because something is stupid doesn't mean it's easy to understand.
0: No, no, (laughs) God, no. If you don't know anything about the Omegaverse, it's very stupid, but also very complicated to understand and not a little upsetting, I would say.
1: (laughs) Shout out to Lindsay Ellis.
0: Match number two. The BFFs come out and there's a close up on a sign that says Sasha crew. Miles, I was very interested to see that because I was curious about how quickly people realized Sasha Banks is fucking tremendous and is kind of the main attraction. Like obviously Charlotte will get there Mm -hmm. and become the queen of everything, but you know for a long time I think Sasha was easily the the better of well kind of that whole group. How quickly did the audience start to go like oh shit Sasha is the reason to come to this?
1: I think pretty quickly. I mean, it's it's already happening in some ways, but the trajectory of the BFFs is actually really interesting. And I don't want to give too much away, mm-hmm. but Summer is not much longer for NXT. Summer has already been doing main roster stuff with Fondango, and she's going to be gone pretty soon. When that happens, Charlotte and Sasha sort of end up making each other in some Ooh. ways that I don't want to get into. But okay. really, when Summer leaves... And kind of stops taking up as much air as she does. And that's not an insult. Like Summer is no, the no. leader of the group and like yeah. taking up the air in the room, taking up space in the room is like her thing. She's playing yeah. that character. So like that's not to say anything bad about Summer A, who I really love. But once she leaves, I think is when Sasha and Charlotte both start to get a little bit more breathing room and a little bit more appreciation from the crowd as the crowd realizes that both of them are something special.
0: It's so weird to me to think about the current SmackDown and Raw and to think about how, like, they were both babies and we got to see them mm-hmm. be NXT babies. Like, yeah. that's just wild to go. And we have these things of your middle school band concert. But, like, yeah, he's,
1: you, throw you were a Bailey also in there too. fucking
0: good at it. Yo, yeah, absolutely. Bailey as well. Yeah. So Emma and the Bubbles come out. And Bailey, following with uh, a sign that says summer teeth, summer green, summer yellow. Yeah. What? I kind it took of me a get minute. it.
1: It took me I... a minute to get it with this one.
0: Okay. Is the joke that the teeth are green and yellow?
1: Yes, that is the joke. Okay. Later in the episode, Emma has that backstage segment where yes. she talks about the promo that never happens. And she's holding the sign in that segment. And so that you can see it up close. And so what's actually happening is that the word summer for summer a summer teeth and then it doesn't say the word summer for summer yellow or summer green. It says S.U.M. apostrophe Apostrophe. E.R. So summer yellow and summer green. And yeah, it's it's such a weird thing to bring out. And like the funniest part of it to me is the fact that Summer sees it and instantly reacts as though she gets it right away.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, this hasn't been a th- no one's cared about her teeth previously. So it was like, what a weird pull to go. Well, now we're just going to insult Summer Ray's teeth and say they're insufficiently whitened. Like, o- yeah. OK, it's late to be bringing that to the table, but fair enough. Also, why
1: would they be green? I don't. Is she yeah, eating kale?
0: Uh, I guess a tooth. No, I don't know.
1: I don't think teeth become green.
0: Yeah. If your teeth are green, you have considerably bigger <laughs> problems. You're like, that may Maybe not be a tooth.
1: <laughs> she's trying to help Summer. She's like, no, Summer, get out of the ring and go see a doctor because that this tooth should not t- be that color.
0: Terrible. So the match gets underway and Emma is doing like all the technical wrestling wrestles and she lures Summer Ray into a butt to butt sandwich or an O'Connor roll for you purists. (laughs) And at one point, Summer Ray thinks to retaliate by leaping face to butt style onto Emma's back and trying to pull Emma over into a pin. Momentum does not favor Summer Rae though, so rather than going over backwards, Emma just sinks down and starts doing the Emma dance, essentially grinding her crotch into Summer Rae's face yay (laughs) it's been so long since i've gotten the fan service i crave miles i was like (laughs) i thought this had been left behind in my 20s of this show and was like (gasps) really i can still have a raucous good time in my 40s podcast i love you Summer Rae rolls her through and the match moves on. There's this spot where Emma gets beamed and falls off the apron onto the ground. And from there, Summer Rae is basically in control. Mm. We get, you know, the long leg stretch. We get two of the long leg stretch from Summer Rae.
1: I was upset that, there was a commercial break in the middle of a long leg stretch. I didn't like that.
0: I know. I didn't like it either. Especially, we were going to get that leg scissors hold thing where she does it yeah. behind somebody's head and it cut away. But yeah, and then it came know, back was, and she was just doing the regular one. It was like, ah. I know.
1: I felt the same way.
0: She gets up. She does this little shimmy dance around the fallen Emma. And Emma battles back and does a few of her hits, but ends up getting clocked in the face by Sasha Banks, who was hanging around the apron looking for an opportunity. And Summer ray sees her chance now that Emma's kind of wandering around, dazed a little bit. Ping-pongs off the rope to come at Emma, but Emma dodges out of the way, and Summer ray flies straight into Sasha, who's standing on the apron now. Sasha falls onto Charlotte. They're sort of taken out, and Emma takes the distraction opportunity, locks in her creepy Ouroboros of Flesh submission hold. Right. What's it called again?
1: The Emma lock.
0: The Emma lock. And Summer ray taps storytelling there was story to this match it yeah. had a whole thing it had a beginning middle and end i felt like i got an actual meal with this match
1: yeah i felt the same way and i love that in the absence of a real feud between emma and Paige, because Paige has been out what NXT has been doing is basically just showing that Emma can beat everybody else on the roster.
0: Yeah. Because she
1: beat Alicia Fox, she beat Natalia, she beat Sasha, and now she's beaten Summer. And so the story of this Arrival match really is that Emma is the true number one contender. She's beaten everybody, and now she is like officially ready to take on the champion. I would say that they're presenting her with a very good chance of winning the championship at this point.
0: Now that you put it that way, yes, that does make total sense. And I hadn't thought of it as, oh, they're sort of ticking off all the boxes, but they are taking mm-hmm. off all the boxes. And given the ways in which she has won and the kind of canniness that they're showing in her, they're really saying while Paige has been away, Emma has grown in ways yes. that we wouldn't necessarily have seen if Paige was kind of the focus. And so, yeah, I think you're right. I think we do have a chance of Emma getting the championship, which is right. interesting to say. I, I did not think about a world past Paige's championship run.
1: I mean, think about it prior to the Cheap Pop quiz. Is all I'll say, Bob.
0: Oh, dang. All right. All right. <laughs> So backstage, Tyler Breeze is pissed that Adrian Neville is an uggo and might be the, <laughs> f- 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 the face of the brand. Oh. And he walks off in a little strop and Devin looks after him like, what a weirdo. And then a beat later, a look that says, I'd love to watch him leave, though. <laughs> There's a, a whole mood that Devin has very yeah. interested in Devin's relationship with the other wrestlers. Now we get the interview segment. We start off with the beautiful beaming face of Renee Young. And I was like, my heart. And then it got into the interview stuff, which was good, too. But I mean, Renee's face is so powerful. Sammy congratulates Cesaro on qualifying for the Elimination (laughs) Chamber, which (laughs) sounds like a bathroom. Did no one consider that?
1: Look sometimes you have to qualify for it
0: <laughs> i guess
1: you can't just go to the bathroom whatever you want to but i
0: guess not you have to earn the right so fine elimination chamber sure cesaro says yeah it's a big match in my career and next time i'm back you could be talking to the world heavyweight champion and i'm like yes if we lived in a just world we would my love okay so the interview is being conducted under two rules if Sammy touches Cesaro, he loses all shots at the NXT title. If Cesaro touches Sammy, he loses his spot on Bathroom Bonanza, which is what they might as well have called it. <laughs> is Sammy medically cleared? Sure, he is. All right, cool. We know. So Cesaro checks his phone and does some texting while Renee is talking. <gasps> Heal.
1: Yeah, I was right? like,
0: oh, wh- uh, rude.
1: That's some real, like, making you face the worst parts of yourself energy right there. Like, oh, Oh. God, he's such a heel. But also, I do that. Am I
0: a heel? You know what? I don't do that anymore because an elderly friend of mine patiently waited while I did that and then didn't say anything. And I was like, oh. I'm a heel and I sort of had that moment of realization in front of her and she was like I wondered if you would realize but I you know what I was never gonna say anything it's fine it's fine and I was like no you've shown me the light I'm a monster I'll never do it again and I viscerally will never do it again
1: I've been called out so many times but I can't stop
0: No, it's fine. I mean, I just had a, you know, I saw the light and like, I realized that that's weird and most people don't. And that's fine. I understand it. It's just, no, it's
1: good. It's like quitting smoking, you know, like, like I'm sure I'll get it eventually.
0: You can do it someday. I don't know what the methadone for it is. I guess just like sitting quietly and twiddling your thumbs. Renee asks Sammy about something and Cesaro interrupts and talks over Sammy. And Zane is like, I see what you're doing, but I take this for serious and I am a good fight boy who will do a good fight on February 27th. And Cesaro sort of like, Meh, we'll see, won't we? And walks off. <laughs> and we get an ad spot thing for the ladder match between Bo and Neville. Miles, I wanted to ask about the history of ladders and their relationship to wrestling because I mean... They seem such an obvious and standard part of the wrestling landscape now, yeah, like yeah. obvious, but there's no way that was always the case.
1: I did a little bit of research on this. The ladder match, as far as I can tell, goes back to the 70s, Ooh. Uh, specifically Stampede Wrestling in Calgary, according to, you know, like Wikipedia. Either Dan Crofat or Kendo Nagasaki invented it, according to, again, Wikipedia <laughs> is, was the depth of my research. But I can tell you uh, from additional sources beyond just Wikipedia that uh, the concept of the ladder match is believed to have made its way to the World Wrestling Federation, thanks to Bret Hart, who, of course, came Ooh. out of Calgary and came out of Stampede. He participated in the very first WWF ladder match. It was him and Shawn Michaels for the intercontinental title in 1992. That is actually kind of like a, a hidden gem of a wrestling match because it was never aired on television. Oh, um but it did like you can see it if you get some of the the big ladder match like DVD collections, which I have one of those. It's on there. Um, the first like ladder match in WWF, really the first ladder match period that anybody remembers occurred at WrestleMania 10. Uh, and it also involved Shawn Michaels. It also involved the Intercontinental Championship. His opponent was a man named Razor Ramon.
0: Oh, I have heard that name.
1: Yes, he would later be known as Scott Hall. He was part of The Click, along with Michaels and Triple H and Kevin Nash. So he is an important figure in wrestling. It's a legendary, like one of those WrestleMania matches that everybody kind of remembers, uh, especially from WrestleMania 10. It was that match and then there was a match between Brett No and Hart on that show as well that people talk about. But really, it was the, the Intercontinental Championship ladder match. That kind of paved the way for ladder matches being a bigger deal in WWF because It got such a positive reception Um, and as WWF moved into the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars in the mid 90s one of the things they they did and we'll talk about this later actually but one of the things they did in that period is things started to get a little bit more hardcore a little Mm. bit more weapons focused uh, because they were trying to get ratings and that coincided with a an increase in the frequency of ladder matches especially ladder matches for championships the original ladder matches were not for championships Uh, they were for money you would climb the ladder and and get like a wad of money that was hanging above the ring and uh, you still saw that occasionally like there'll be a briefcase for full of money. There's a notable tag team match in the late 90s, which was really the breakout match for the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian was for, I believe, a, a briefcase full of money. And then now, of course, we have the Money in the Bank ladder match, mm-hmm. which was invented at least in kayfabe. It was invented by Jericho, and I think it might have been actually invented by Jericho. The first Money in the Bank ladder match happened at WrestleMania 21. Okay. Um, And that was a big uh, six person ladder match for the Money in the Bank briefcase, which allows you to cash in on the champion um, at any time. I believe the first women's ladder match in WWF or WWE, I think, was the first women's Money in the Bank ladder match in
0: 2018. Oh, what? Um, Dang. I believe that's
1: the case. At least in this company, there were probably women's matches, women's ladder matches earlier in um, impact wrestling or TNA wrestling, as it was called at the time, Mm -hmm. because in the mid aughts, they had a really booming women's division. So I wouldn't be surprised if they had done ladders at some point. But yeah, I believe that it wasn't until 2018 that the women were allowed to to do ladder matches. Again, please correct me if I'm wrong about that, because if like. You know, probably Trish did it or something. But uh, since the the Attitude Era, ladder matches have been, you know, not ubiquitous, but uh, fairly common occurrences in WWE, and as a result, that has trickled down to um, them being fairly common occurrences in other companies and promotions as well. And you can kind of see the appeal of it. You know, it's a it's a very different kind of match um, that allows for a lot of things that you wouldn't see in your traditional wrestling matches.
0: Ladder matches kind of freak me out because I don't like heights and I don't like being on ladders. So I'm always like, ah, no, don't fall. Also, I have a real fear is probably not the correct word, but a deep aversion to having any part of my skin pinched by a fucking ladder.
1: Yeah, there's a reason that the latter match would basically become synonymous at a certain point with Jeff Hardy, because that motherfucker is crazy.
0: <laughs> Jeff Hardy's like, "Is today the day I walk into hell. <laughs> Backstage, Emma just dancing down an office hallway. Yep. She has a rematch with Paige at NXT Arrival, but she has some things she needs to say to Paige next week, which is NXT nope. Arrival. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And that's the end of that. That's the end of that. Yay! It's main event time. It's Neville versus Breeze. I can't remember my last check in on my temperature regarding Breeze, but I would say I'm about eighty percent in on Breeze right now. I think last time
1: you said seventy five, so that's still going up.
0: Especially with Adrian Neville, if it's just Breeze doing Breeze stuff, I don't know how invested I am. But they're definitely really good together. They are. There's a little bit of fanfic about the two of them. I mean, for good reason. Nice. So he's got fake fur that looks like it's peppermint flavored because it's pink and white. It's terrible. (laughs) It's so terrible. and I love it.
1: The little things on his boots look like the things that go across your windshield when you go through a car wash.
0: Yes, it does look exactly like that. Just some sort of loose microfiber. The match starts off some, you know, Healy healing around from Breeze until Neville does a bunch of handsprings to escape him. And then Breeze is like, oh, fuck you, you talented (laughs) piece of shit. There's so many shots to the head from uh, Breeze to Neville. But Neville is like, ha, no. And then he flings Breeze at the rope, catches him. And it's like this fucked up version of dirty dancing. Like Breeze comes off the rope at Neville Neville lifts Breeze up above his head, throws him into the air, and just lets him belly flop onto the mat. And I have seen yeah. it twice, and I gasped out loud both times because he gets some serious height and it's bad. He gets some
1: air on that shit,
0: man. Yeah, and Breeze sells the fuck out of it. Yeah, he does. He does a little bit of like that up in the air scrambling. Like you yeah. can hear the. Yeah breeze flings neville to the apron and when breeze goes for the beauty shot neville ducks like a fucking genius and then he gets breeze to the outside and does a sweet flip to take down breeze and then it's back from commercial and neville is dangling breeze upside down from his shoulders and then turns it into a big ol' sit-out powerbomb. And there's mm-hmm. another attempt at the beauty shot by Breeze and Neville Ducks. Again! Because he's clearly the smartest person on the entire <laughs> roster.
1: If that beat the clock match from a while ago, didn't prove that.
0: So Breeze is in rough shape. And when Neville unleashes the red arrow, Breeze stays down for three. Miles, didn't we already have a score-settling match between these two? Are we just keeping this feud hot for funsies? I get that it's about I, it's- something slightly different. It's not even really a feud. I mean, they did the thing where
1: Breeze cost Neville the lumberjack match against Bo, the title match. But like the feud was just like they had a match and Neville beat him. This feels less to me like the continuation of that storyline and more to me like, hey, look, this is the main event. We want Neville to be in this match because we want to do the thing with Bo afterward. You know, and those two are going to have a good match and they have a little bit of prior history. We can do a little breeze like backstage package at the beginning, like, you know, give it a little bit of context. But really, it felt pretty standalone to me.
0: All right. I thought maybe they were going, you know, for whenever the rest of this is over, we still want something to do.
1: I think they are also like placing Breeze a little bit higher on the card intentionally than they have been in the past. Like I think they're mm. really seeing how the crowd reacts to him and seeing how good he is in the ring and elevating him a little bit, but they're not going to elevate him above Neville at this point because Neville's going to challenge for the title at like the big pay-per-view. So, okay. I think this is a combination of like Breeze is higher up than he was, but he ain't that high up. Like Neville's still going to take him down.
0: So there's still time left and Bo Dallas's music starts and he comes out from backstage with a mic and he gets in the ring and Bo does some heel work saying, gosh, you've come so far, little buddy to Neville. And obviously that's not cool. Neville's like, "Mm, mm."
1: doesn't go over well.
0: No, but this is the end of the line because Bo doesn't plan on losing. So he's like, you know, you've, you've gone as far as you can sport. And Neville's like, oh, you're scared of me. And on February 27th, I'm going to win. So. You know, deal with it. And then Bo gets this look in his eyes. And Adrian Nell's like, oh, you want to hit me, don't you? And offers him a free shot. He just gives him his face and was like, yeah, take it. Take a hit. And then in a thing that lasts quite a while, <laughs> Dallas takes off his suit jacket. He rolls up his sleeves and then he waits and then he goes to the ropes and then he waits And then he goes through the ropes and then he waits (laughs) and then he gets his belt and he leaves (laughs) and that's how it ends. The idea is to make you want to
1: see them fight and specifically make you want to see Neville kick Dallas's ass. So I don't know how much they accomplished that for you, Bob, but uh, they were going for Bo Dallas, kind of doing the slimy heel thing, Mm. um, but not getting his comeuppance because that may or may not happen uh, at the next show. All right, Bob. Well, thank you so much for that breakdown. How did you uh, find this episode?
0: I loved it. it I'm was so glad. Great. I was sort of like, oh, man, I, I know this episode isn't as good as some of the other episodes we've seen, but in my heart, I was like, I don't even know if NXT Arrival can compete with this. <laughs> like, this was amazing. It's pretty
1: solid, honestly, because the two matches that happen are really good, The two actual matches, the squash match is also just fun because the Ascension. Yes. And then there's like not a lot of wasted space. I mean, they don't have as much material, which is why we have all the commercials and stuff. But it feels more slimmed down in a weird way because of that.
0: It does. I mean, I had to learn about the construction of the elimination chamber. So, I mean, they got me in that sense. But as far as the actual content is concerned, it was tight. It was a very tight show.
1: Well, we're going to get into the sight sounds and feels of pro wrestling in a minute. But before we do... Bob, we have to ring the bell.
0: Oh my god. Okay. This is a big one. Okay.
1: Sadly, we are ringing the bell for Welcome Home by Coheed and Cambria.
0: (gasps) Oh no! I was worried it might be this. I mean, I was hoping that it might just be like, oh, I don't know. Tony Dawson's (laughs) going (laughs) to hang out. So, you know what? Maybe Tony Dawson will be a real Brad Maddox and later on I'll feel sad about it. But for right now, I'm like, We already rang the
1: bell for Tony Dawson, didn't we? we?
0: Oh, God, I don't know.
1: (laughs) This is the last time that NXT will be introduced. To the dulcet tones of Coheed and Cambria, starting with Arrival and probably having a lot to do with the fact that NXT is now getting a somewhat more prominent place on the new WWE Network, the show will have a new theme song. So we must sadly bid farewell to this wonderful piece of music and await the coming of the roar of the crowd.
0: Oh, man, I'm going to miss it.
1: I know, me too. And it's not just a new song, it's a new video package and everything. so we are entering a new era, Bob, and unfortunately that comes with new music. I will also miss Welcome Home. All right, well, it is now time for the sight, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. If you didn't get enough feels that last segment. So, Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see?
0: My elf eyes saw. The BFFs come out Mm -hmm. and they stand at the top of the ramp and they do a bit that we've all seen a million times in a synchronized movement. Both Summer Rae and Sasha do the coordinated finger snap windshield wiper move across their bodies at the same time that they do like a little hip cock. And Charlotte doesn't do it with them. She just sort of stands awkwardly nearby looking sort of vaguely sultry, I guess. Doesn't she try? I don't know if she did try. I didn't see that, but it made it feel like there was some backstage miscommunication or Charlotte biffed it and forgot. And I fucking love those little community theater moments. Whenever (laughs) you're like, oh, there was supposed to be a bit and somebody didn't do the bit or they didn't say they were going to do the bit and somebody forgot there was supposed to be a bit there.
1: I think she made an attempt, but I don't think it went very well.
0: I cannot get enough of some waiting for Guffman or slings and arrows in my wrestling. So I am thrilled (laughs) anytime there's like this little, oh, shit, we were supposed to do something. Like, I love it. I love it. Miles, what did your elf eyes see?
1: My elf eyes saw the camera work that was happening during the Sammy Cesaro interview, because I know that at this point in time, NXT used like trainee wrestlers like if you were coming up through the performance center you were like probably going to spend some time as a referee you were probably going to spend some time in like announcer class or in production or something like that so like i don't know who was running this camera but i definitely want whatever they were high on (laughs) because holy shit what the fuck was going on weird ass zooms onto cesaro's face when sammy is talking strange pans for no reason <laughs> when when sammy stands up and gets in cesaro's face i don't know if this was sammy's fault or if this was the camera guy's fault but like sammy's basically delivering his entire like little monologue to cesaro with his back to the fucking camera like oh, it was just weird production and I, it's again like you said bob I, too, enjoy the community theater moments here in the early days of NXT, which would never happen today. I love that.
0: I love it. I don't remember being weirded out by it, but I do remember the experience of going, that felt off. Something's wrong. But not knowing what it was. And now that you say that, I'm like, oh, you're right. It was. The camera was doing some wild ass shit.
1: All right, Bob, what did your Vulcan ears hear?
0: the hurry up chant whenever Bo Dallas is not doing anything and not doing anything as far as (laughs) actually hitting Adrian Neville and the crowd's like, okay, all right. We've let you have your dramatic tension. This is some bullshit. Now get on your shit. I really enjoy whenever the crowd starts messing with the narrative itself. Like whenever they were chanting pinky promise. And then now with the hurry up chant, I love whenever the crowd tries to interact with the product in a way to change the outcome of the product. And I'm Agreed. saying product like a grown up, like a person that <laughs> knows a thing. But I'm going to make you do product as one of the fucking wrestling terms of the week, because what the fuck? Why is it called that? All right.
1: I, uh, we can't do that right now. It's the whole thing.
0: Miles, what did your Vulcaneers hear
1: from the Ascension Jobber squash match? Oh, yes. And I don't remember which announcer says it. It's not Tensai. It's one of the other two, but I'm not sure which one it was. I just love this line. Connor and Victor describe their style as telepathic carnage. Oh, yes. He doesn't, like, go into what that means, but it's fun to imagine various scenarios. (laughs) Like, it really puts me in mind that I'm not sure. I think it happens around the time where they do the thing they do the move that they sometimes do the double team move where they're both kind of like cradling their opponent yes. in their arms together and they throw them up into the air and let them fall I don't know. For some reason, that struck me as like telepathic carnage, both in a they're very in sync with one another and that allows them to inflict more carnage way mm. and in a like, oh, hey, look, they just threw that guy up into the air with their minds. Kind of way.
0: <laughs> I guess that's
1: like that's not telepathy. That's telekinesis. But still,
0: you know, it's got tele in there, which is, you know, yeah. that, that's the budget we're operating on here.
1: Exactly. All right, Bob. What did your human heart feel?
0: Honestly, the Ascension. I was screaming, yeah, along with the crowd. (laughs) I'm just on my couch going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just having an amazing time, getting super into it. The women's match was so good. And I loved it, but my heart was all in on the Ascension for some reason. And I just, even though it was three minutes of nothing, I loved it and I want more of it. So that's, <laughs> what, that's what my human heart felt. Miles, what did your human heart feel?
1: I had a moment of genuine, just pure joy during the Neville Breeze match. There's a wonderful spot where Neville's on the apron outside the ropes and Breeze is in the ring, and Neville is about to do a springboard off the ropes into the ring and hit Breeze with something. Breeze knows he's about to do that, so Breeze jumps up and does a drop kick, and would hit Neville, assuming Neville actually pulled off the move. But instead, Neville stops short. He spr- he like jumps onto the rope for the springboard, and then just drops like to the rig to his feet oh, and God. lets breeze fall to the mat after a failed dropkick attempt and has this great look on his face like what am i a fucking moron was oh. i born yesterday did I clown do you find me amusing <laughs> 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 oh it made I love me it. so happy we talk about how neville is like the character in this show who seems to just more than anyone else, really understand how all of this works. And honestly, this segment for me could have just been, like, general Neville appreciation because I just love him so much. But that moment in particular really stood out to me. as I was like, oh yeah, this guy's on another fucking level.
0: There is a sense in which... Neville is a Bugs Bunny character. He's not cocky, but it has a kind of narrative awareness that no one else possesses and so can do things that other people are not able to do. And I love yes, that.
1: Couldn't agree more. Well, those were the sight sounds and feels of pro wrestling. We are going to get into the uh, wrestling history of the week segment for this episode. But before we do, Bob has produced another one of their wonderful fanfics explaining last episode's wrestling term of the week, which was Go Home Show. So Bob, take it away.
0: Bowen had Draco in a hammerlock. Well, was it still a hammerlock if you were really just (laughs) bending one talon and not the whole arm? It mattered little. Draco sold it with howls of agony that shook the wood stands. No, not my talon. How will I capture defenseless maidens and devour them, bones and all, with a broken talon? ''Okay, that's a bit much,'' Bowen whispered. ''Well, excuse me for trying to make you look good,'' Draco muttered. Bowen felt himself pulled by the ankle and suddenly suspended over the dragon's maw. The referee rang the bell. ''DQ! That's a DQ, Draco! You cannot eat your opponent! Put him down, Draco! Put him (laughs) back down!'' Draco set Bowen back down, growling and facing off. Bowen looked to the crowd. ''Going for the obvious, Draco? Afraid I can beat you in a fair fight?'' Afraid you'll lose? To a knight? Draco sneered. I've eaten better than you as a light snack. You couldn't beat me with the help of the entire village. The crowd booed and hissed. Draco winked at Bowen. And what an ugly village it is, too. I wouldn't eat someone from here if I was starving to death. An insulted gasp went up from the crowd. It's settled then, Bowen raised his arm and pointed dramatically to the ring they were standing in. Here, next week, we'll settle this once and for all, Knight versus Dragon, the final battle. The audience screamed in excitement. Get your tickets now before they shell out, Draco added as they began to file out. <laughs> Not bad for a go-home show. I think we'll be able to make enough to move on to somewhere better. Ah, I was rather starting to like it here, Draco hummed. Don't think I don't know about all the sides of beef the young maidens keep leaving at your dressing room door. And I've seen those sultry looks they're giving you. What is wrong with these people? Bowen shook his head. Draco shrugged and grinned, baring every single one of his dagger-sized teeth at once. What can I say? The ladies love a heel.
1: <laughs> Talk about... A story that's crying out, just crying out to be adapted to professional wrestling. Yeah, right? Dragonheart is one of the best ones for that. Thank you so much for that, Bob. That was glorious. Who the hell gave you that amazing idea?
0: Lucas Brown gave me that amazing idea. Fucking of course he did. I know. I mean, Lucas knows what's up and knows what's in my heart. And it's a dragon and a knight who are best (laughs) friends.
1: Uh, All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for that. That was pure delight. And now that uh, you've had your pure delight, now that you've eaten your dessert, (laughs) it's time for time for some vegetables. Ooh, give me those kales. It is time for wrestling history of the week, and it is time for our fifth installment of the history of women's wrestling as seen through the lens of WWE and specifically WrestleMania. All right. So uh, last time on Wrestling History of the Week, you may recall, Bob, we talked about Alundra Blaze and the brief revival of the WWF Women's Championship uh, in the years between 1993 and 1995 uh, when she sprung on the scene. Didn't get a whole lot to do, unfortunately, but when she did do it, she was great. Brought in some Japanese women um, who were not given their due and or got arrested for cocaine possession and. Yeah. Um, And after that kind of failed to launch, uh, the WWF Women's Championship was once again retired after Alundra Blaze appeared on WCW under her old name of Medusa and dropped the belt in the trash can. Yeah. Which many consider to be the first shot fired in the Monday Night Wars. And that leads us nicely into this installment. The Monday Night Wars are widely considered to cover approximately five years. From the television debut of WCW Monday Nitro in September 1995 to the purchase of WCW by the WWF in March of 2001. In the WWF, these were the years that saw the birth of the Attitude Era. And however you feel about the Attitude Era, it is impossible, impossible to overstate its impact on wrestling. Mm. So many things that define how the public sees wrestling and how wrestling sees itself occurred during this five-year period. The curtain call, the New World Order, the Montreal Screwjob, the finger poke of doom. Yes, that's a thing.
0: Okay, I was like, Um, (laughs) waiting for an explanation, but I will wait longer. But the Monday Night Wars didn't change anything,
1: like they changed WWE's presentation of women. On the one hand, the Attitude Era is directly responsible for the second rebirth of the Women's Championship – And the creation for essentially the first time in company history of a fully stocked women's division. It's also the closest WWE has ever come to embracing the concept of intergender wrestling. But this apparent progress was deeply rooted in both hypersexuality and misogyny, Mm. as Vince McMahon weaponized both the objectification and the degradation of female bodies, and in doing so, crafted a set of roles and expectations that it took women's wrestling 20 years to fully escape. Now, McMahon denies it to this day, but the fact of the matter is that the primary elements of the Attitude Era were more or less cribbed whole cloth from Extreme Championship Wrestling, or ECW, the hardcore counterculture promotion that spent the better part of the 1990s changing the face of the industry. We've talked about ECW in more detail in a previous Wrestling History of the Week. I believe it was our first one, actually. Bloody, brutal violence, edgy behavior like swearing and nudity, and shocking Jerry Springer-style stories were all hallmarks of ECW. And it seems somewhat more than coincidental that all of these elements began making their way into the WWF around the same time that McMahon became aware of ECW in 1995, just before the start of the Monday Night Wars. Considering that WWF and ECW even had a brief working relationship in 96-97, and the connection is hard to miss. And another hallmark of ECW was its fondness for dressing up beautiful women in provocative costumes, a fondness that ECW promoter Paul Heyman has displayed throughout the entirety of his career, Mm. and then usually having a man smash them through a table. Oh, what? Oh, yeah. All the time. That's very upsetting. ECW dabbled in intergender matches, but it dabbled a lot more in men delivering violence to women. It never had a women's championship or even a women's division to speak of. The vast majority of its female talent were used as managers, valets, and in other non-wrestling roles. And the same was true largely of the WWF for the majority of the Monday Night Wars. Most of the notable women of the era, even the ones who were talented wrestlers like Luna Vachon, for example, didn't actually get to wrestle very often. When they did get to wrestle, it was in like evening gown matches and like mud wrestling and bikini contests. And many of them spent their time working alongside their real life romantic partners. Tammy Lynn Sitch, known on WWF programming as Sonny, was a stunningly beautiful woman who managed a tag team called the Body Donnas, of which one member was her real-life boyfriend, Chris Candido. She was an extremely popular sex symbol in the mid-'90s, though her fall from grace would prove both rapid and spectacular. Marlena, later known as Terry, portrayed a character based on German entertainer Marlene Dietrich Mm. and managed her real-life husband at the time, Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust. Deborah McMichael... Managed her real-life husband and former Chicago Bear, Steve Mongo McMichael, in WCW before jumping ship to the WWF and getting together with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And when Wildman Mark Miro, another WCW defector, debuted at WrestleMania 12 in 1996, he brought his model wife with him, a woman who would become known around the world as Sable. It was Sable who was probably the most directly responsible for McMahon's decision in 1998 to bring back the Women's Championship. More than a year earlier, in February of 97, Miro tore his ACL and was out of action for six months. Despite not having Miro to manage, Sable continued to be featured on WWF programming during this time, And she started getting increasingly popular. When Miro returned, the two engaged in a storyline that saw him grow jealous of Sable's popularity, which led to him mistreating her and refusing to allow her to show off her body to the crowd, which naturally led the crowd to shower him with booze. Mm -hmm. It was basically Miss Elizabeth all over again, but this time with sex appeal and the audience devoured it. Sable and Miro participated in the mixed tag match at WrestleMania 14 against Goldust and Luna Vashon, and the crowd was absolutely white hot for Sable, particularly when she hit Vashon with a powerbomb that she called the Sable Bomb. Ironically, the exact same kind of move that Monster Ripper slash Bertha Fay hadn't been allowed to use three years earlier. Hmm. There was still no women's championship, but McMahon must have been taking note of the crowd's reaction to Sable. After WrestleMania 14, she finally split from Miro by way of kicking him in the dick and powerbombing him. Oh, wow. But Miro quickly found a new manager in the form of the debuting Jacqueline Moore. Jacqueline had made a name for herself in the Memphis-based United States Wrestling Association and had also worked in Japan before arriving in WCW and then WWF. An enormously skilled wrestler who had been regularly wrestling men for most of her early career, she kicked off a storied WWF run by feuding with Sable and, as part of the feud, winning the newly restored WWF Women's Championship, making her the first black woman to hold the title in the company's history. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, Jacqueline is awesome. Of course, the title had only been restored in the first place, so it could be given to Sable, and she inevitably won it two months later in November 1998, beginning a six-month run in which she defended it a total of three times.
0: Oh my god.
1: One of those was her match at WrestleMania 15, against another new wrestler named Tori, a storyline that turned Sable heel and introduced her catchphrase, this is for all the women who want to be me and all the men who come to see me. She lost her championship to Deborah in an evening gown match that saw the rules retroactively reversed to give the victory to the woman who had been stripped of her clothing. What? It's a male gaze thing. Okay. They were like, ha the, the naked one is the winner. Bye. This was actually Sable's last match for WWF for four years, as she quit the company and filed a sexual harassment lawsuit that was eventually settled out of court. Mm. But her legacy was assured. She had gotten the WWF a lot of attention at a crucial period in the Monday Night Wars by coming to a bikini contest, wearing nothing but black body paint in the shape of handprints over her naked breasts in 1998, and more importantly, by posing as the Playboy cover girl in 1999 kicking off a trend of basically the WWF treating the Playboy cover as much more prestigious than any sort of women's championship. Ah, The women's title was back and the women's division was growing, not because McMahon had learned the value of women's wrestling, but because he had learned the value of titillation. Other women's champions included The Cat, best known for flashing her breasts to the crowd in December 1999, and later marrying, briefly and for some reason, Jerry the King Lawler, whose unbelievably sexist and misogynist commentary during every women's match of this era makes them almost impossible to listen to. Hervina, a male manager named Harvey Whippleman in drag. Okay. McMahon's daughter, Stephanie. And somehow, again, the fabulous moolah then 76 years old, who got one last title reign that lasted eight days. But there was one other woman wrestling during this era who doesn't quite fit with the rest of the division. A woman who carved out a totally different niche in wrestling history for herself. They called her the ninth wonder of the world, and we will get to her next time we do this. Oh, man. That was your wrestling history of the week. Bob will have some sort of fanfic involving that wrestling history two episodes from now, not next episode, because next episode we are covering NXT Arrival. It is going to be a huge show, a mega show, with a very special guest that I don't want to spoil right now because I'm, like, still 10% sure she's not going to show up.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is how I feel.
1: (laughs) So, we'll
0: talk about that later.
1: After the Arrival show, Bob will come back with the fanfic explaining this women's wrestling history of the week. Well, it's been quite the show, Bob.
0: It has. A real go-home show. A real
1: go-home show. And we're going to finish things off right now with the cheap pop quiz, most of which is normal, but one question of which... We're pushing the envelope a little bit. Ooh. So here we go. Question number one. It's time to make some predictions about what happens at NXT Arrival, Bob. Oh,
0: boy. OK.
1: So for one thing, the Ascension will be defending their tag team championship on the show.
0: <laughs> Thank God. <laughs>
1: but, in- <laughs> but instead of asking you whether or not they're going to win, I would much rather ask you about the nature of their opponents. What sort of tag team do the Ascension take on at Arrival? Is it A, another fucking jobber tag team? B, a main roster tag team? Mm -hmm. C, the current reigning WWE tag team champions, the New Age Outlaws, a team consisting of old dudes who were popular during the Attitude Era. Oh boy. D, a different team of old dudes who were popular during the Attitude Era. Or E? a debuting tag team from the independent scene who will become regulars on NXT moving forward because Jesus fuck NXT needs more tag teams.
0: A is very shiny to me. I am (laughs) lured by the idea that they're like, sure, it's our first pay-per-view. Let's get some random jobbers.
1: (laughs) We're going to defend our titles against Travis Tyler and Baron Corbin.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I want it to be main roster tag team but i i think it makes more sense if they get somebody off the independent circuit and they try to make them a thing especially if there's people who already have some name recognition even though i know they're going to change their names to nxt names but i'm gonna say e
1: okay a debuting tag team from the independent scene because jesus fuck they need more tag teams Boy, that's true regardless of whether or not this answer is true question number two Another match that hasn't been announced yet but that does take place at arrival is Tyler Breeze taking on Xavier Woods. Ooh. How does that match end? Is it A, Breeze wins cleanly? B, Woods wins cleanly? C, Breeze wins with the help of his new manager, Sylvester LaFort? D, Woods wins after Breeze is distracted by Enzo and Cass, kicking off a new feud between them? Or E, Neither man wins because Rusev shows up about 30 seconds into the match and kicks the living shit out of both of them.
0: Hmm. I don't think either of them win cleanly, and I can't see the world in which Tyler Breeze allows Sylvester Laforte anywhere near him. So (laughs) I think I'm going to say what was D?
1: Uh, Woods wins after Breeze is distracted by Enzo and Cass, kicking off a new feud between them.
0: Oh, that seems unlikely too, but I'm going to take it.
1: Okay. So, answering D for that one. Question number three. Okay, Bob. There are three primary matches that NXT has been building to Mm -hmm. Sammy Zayn versus Cesaro, Emma versus Paige for the women's title, and Bo versus Neville for the NXT title. I am now going to ask you who you think is going to win all three of those matches. Okay. Is it A, Sammy, Emma, and Bo? B, Sammy, Emma, and Neville. C, Sammy, Page and Bo. D, Sammy, Page and Neville. E, Cesaro, Emma, and Bo. F, Cesaro, Emma, and Neville. G, Cesaro, Page and Bo. Or H, Cesaro, Paige, and Neville.
0: I have so much hope in my heart, founded on absolutely nothing, that all of the people that I want to have win are going to win. And I guess I want Emma to win now, which is not a thing I thought I would say because I love Paige. But Sammy, Emma, and Neville are going to win.
1: OK, Sammy, Emma, and Neville. That is answer B. Congrats on that one, Bob. That was a very difficult question requiring, really, for you to answer three questions in one and choose between eight different answers. But you know what? Sometimes we got to go big or go home. Sometimes I have to do what I have to do to avoid uh, avoid reading romance novels.
0: <laughs> 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 At
1: least on quite as rapid a rate as I've been reading them recently. Indeed. <laughs> But yeah, okay. Sammy, Emma and Neville are your picks. So we will see how that goes. We will get the answers to those questions on our next episode when we cover NXT Arrival. And that's going to be exciting. I can't believe we're finally here, Bob. We have finally arrived at Arrival. I know. And I am so excited to record this first mega episode with you.
0: Yes, I can't believe we made it to our first pay-per-view. I'm so excited.
1: All right. Well, I think that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan. Bob, as always, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you for taking me on this journey into the beating heart of the relationship between Sami Zayn and Cesaro. And I mean, obviously, there's going to be kissing in the next episode. That's what's going to happen.
1: If there isn't kissing in the next episode, which we've definitely not already watched and recorded,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> we will riot here at The Next oh, Wrestling 1000%.
0: Fan. 1000%. Thank
1: you as well to everybody who uh, listens to the show and everybody who supports the show on Patreon over at patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan. You might have noticed a couple of changes over on Patreon recently. Mm -hmm. Bob and I have uh, been thinking a lot about what to do with some of our goals and some of our tiers of support after, Putting some more thought and discussion into that, we have unveiled two new tiers of support. There is now a $15 level and a $20 level Mm -hmm. um, for which you get various things. And then also our goals have been uh, altered a little bit. The next goal of one hundred and fifty dollars is still a Patreon voted bonus episode that has not changed. However, you'll notice that as we move forward, the next goal at one hundred and seventy five dollars is the first edition of something that I'm going to call. What if blank butt wrestling?
0: Yeah. And
1: what this is is going to be a piece of written content. Either Bob or myself or both will produce a piece of written content, and that's going to involve A wrestling version of something else. What if blank, but wrestling? So, for example, Bob might do some writing or I might do some writing in the Pride and Pinfalls universe beyond just the fanfics Mm -hmm. that would fall into the category of what if Pride and Prejudice, but wrestling, something like that. Or
0: perhaps what Um, if Bridgerton, but understood through the lens of wrestling.
1: What if Bridgerton, but wrestling is something that we definitely could, should and absolutely will do. (laughs) 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 I personally am currently working on a a written piece that involves what if cats,
0: but wrestling. Oh, my God. I'm excited.
1: So if that's something that appeals to you, uh, try to push us up to that $175 goal. And then every $25 thereafter, we're going to switch off. So we'll do another bonus episode. Uh, with content voted on by fans, and then we'll do another What If Blank But Wrestling and so on and so forth. But yeah, check those out. Check out the two new levels of support, especially if you're enjoying the whole uh, Next Wrestling Fan Federation thing. And especially
0: if you like um, sexy
1: physical rewards.
0: And I also wanted to let you know, for those of you at the $10 a month, that physical rewards are being worked upon right now. The art is done for the postcard. Doing that over the holidays was a whole thing, both for the artist and for us. But it's gorgeous. It is going to be posted in the Patreon so you can see the art for it. And then that's going to be turned into some nice juicy postcards that are going to go out to you and you can put them wherever you like. But it's Sasha Bonks looking freaking gorgeous.
1: It's an amazing piece of artwork. We really love it. And we hope you do, too. That's coming your way very soon. Also coming your way very soon is the Ill Omens recording, which Bob and I have actually completed. finally. Uh, And it's good. So as soon as it's good, we really like it. Uh, Unlike our previous efforts, uh, this one actually, I think, turned out really well. So as soon as that's edited, it'll be coming your way on the Patreon feed. And the final thing we want to let you know about is that uh, we're going to be doing another watch party in February. And we are scheduling this one for February 21st, Bob? Yes. Yeah, February 21st, 1 p.m. Pacific time. Join us. It's going to be an all Brody Lee watch party. We'd hate to center it around a white guy during Black History Month, but we really want to do a tribute to Brody Lee. And um, we've kept the watch party. Delayed it too long already. So we're going to get together and watch some Brody matches. Uh, it's going to be awesome. He was a fantastic wrestler. And um, yeah, join us for that on cast for the details on that. If you're not already a member of uh, our like cast group, which is the same group every time, then you can find the links on our social media shortly before showtime. Yes.
0: And we're for damn sure going to do more watch parties with super diverse casts
1: absolutely well that's all coming your way down the road thank you so much for uh, for being a part of this whole experience that we've got going on here thank you so much for your support we really appreciate it and we will see you all in two weeks with a special jam-packed mega sized episode yes. of the next wrestling fan
0: bye
1: The next wrestling fan is produced by Miles Schneiderman and Megan Bob with logo design by Claire Mulcairin.
0: Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for
1: additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at www.incompetech.com.
0: We're on Twitter and Facebook as the NXT Wrestling Fan. Come talk to us.
1: You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness.
0: The NXT Wrestling Fan is made possible thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us out, go to patreon.com slash NXT Wrestling Fan and join our fantastic stable of contributors. They're the best.
1: If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at nxtwrestlingfan at gmail.com.
0: Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Okay, this involves me making a decision about whether or not I can and will attempt a Sean Connery accent or not.
1: Oh, please do it.
0: Oh, God, this is going to be so embarrassing. Oh, God, can I fucking do this? No, <laughs> no I can't. Okay, it's I thought right. I could, it's but fine. I can't stop laughing enough. What can I say? The ladies love a heel.
1: Ladies love a heel.
0: God damn it! I want you to go back and redub it with the fucking, <laughs> I because I can't do it long enough. I can't sustain it. <laughs> I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh man, should we get Liz to do it? <laughs> oh my god, we totally should.